is up, everybody? Welcome to the PHNX Rising Show, brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. I'm Ramon Chavez. I'm joined by Max Simpson. We've got Owen, uh, Owen Evans over there and a very, very special guest in the house, Phoenix Rising head coach, Juan Guerra. Thank you so much for joining us today, Juan. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, <laughs> honestly, um, I'm, I'm very, very happy to be here, man. So thanks for the invitation again. And you only got a little bit lost on the way here. <laughs> I, I, I was never lost. I, I, I knew what I was. The security guard got us lost. Okay, that's the issue. That's the second time I've heard that. So we gotta <laughs> gotta make sure to fix that. Uh, but yeah, Juan, uh, thank you for for coming over here to the to the studios. Really appreciate it. Uh, got some questions for you, and I hope you don't mind answering a few of them. So. Uh, only a few, though. Only, only a, few. a few. Yeah, <laughs> Owen's ready over there. He wanted that seat next to you. Uh, and yeah, I just want to shout out everybody that's watching us right now. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you do have questions, drop them in the chat. We'll see if we can get to them before we wrap up the show today. Uh, but Juan, let's go ahead and get started. You know, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I know a lot of people know you for uh, your playing career, uh, you know, obviously coaching. But, you know, what, what, what was Juan like when he was younger in, in Venezuela? Um, I was probably one of the only Venezuelan um let's say habitants that didn't play baseball oh yes so i'm i'm not good at baseball at all <laughs> and every time i was in school people would be playing baseball in recess and i was never getting picked because i was very bad <laughs> um i come from uh my father has a italian family because my mm. grandfather's italian and uh and soccer in the house or football was always we were always watching football you know mm. uh from my mom's side they're, they're all venezuelans but they're all, they're all, they were also involved uh, in love with the game. Mm. So soccer in, in, in my, my life has been always, I mean, on uh, uh, um, first hand and a priority. And, um, and, and since, since very, very little, I fell in love with the game. I started playing when I was four and I played for, for many, many years. When I was 15 years old, my, my family decided to move to the United States. We moved to Miami and I kept playing there. I did high school there then I did college where I still played soccer and, then I had a short spell in the FC Dallas. And okay. then after that, um, I went back to Venezuela to play professionally. Mm. It was 11 quick years that just <laughs> flew by uh, with a bit, you know I mean, in Venezuela, a bit in Europe, um, a bit with the national team. And then I had the opportunity to come back to the U.S. Mm. with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Mm. And um, I came back. I was five years playing between the NASL and the, the USL. And my last year in Indy 11, mm, I had the opportunity to start my coaching career mm -hmm. under Martin Rennie. Um, I had one more year left uh, of uh, playing contract as a, as a, as a player, but uh, Martin knew how much um, I, I wanted to coach or how much I love coaching. And um, that's how my, my coaching career started. He offered me the opportunity to be a, a player coach mm. and I denied right away. I didn't want to be a player coach. I didn't want it to either I finished my last year as a player or I started my coaching career as a I mean, uh, uh, as an assistant coach, I since I did college over here, I started playing professionally at 21 mm -hmm. and back home in South America and in Europe as well. That's kind of late. If you're 21 years old and you're not playing professionally, it's late. So when Martin Rennie offered me the opportunity to start coaching at the age of 32, it was kind of young, too. So mm -hmm. I so I thought I said, well, I started my playing career kind of late. Now I have the opportunity to start my coaching career a bit young mm -hmm. and that's the route that I decided to take and it's been a, a wonderful beautiful painful and <laughs> joyful journey and I, I wouldn't change nothing about it because it got me to where I am today awesome awesome 
That's awesome, man. No, I love that. Um, you know, along the way, whether it was during your playing career, during your coaching career so far, who were some of the players, you know, maybe when you were a boy, when you, who you looked up to, who you played with, played against, any managers that really left a mark and maybe even kind of helped influence your coaching style now? Wow, it's so many. It's so many. And it's hard to start mentioning names. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to forget important people, you know, but, um, but there's one that, that still to this day, I, I keep in touch with, and I actually got on the phone with him today. And it's, I always mention this is, is Gio Savarese is the head coach for the Portland Timbers. When I was probably, I remember six, seven, and I, I was a young, young, young guy in Venezuela. And my dad used to take us to the stadium and I used to see Gio playing for the national team. Mm the Venezuelan national team. And then Gio kept growing and then he came to the US, he did the university and, and he started playing in the MLS. After the MLS, he had a shirt spell in, um, in England, I believe, and he was in Italy as well. So he was, a, he was a striker from Venezuela that as a player, I had already looked up to. And then when he retired, he became a coach and he started coaching for the New York Cosmos. And he did a great job, man. He did a great job. I believe in four years, he played four finals and I had the opportunity to play for him for, for one year. And on and, the and New York Cosmos that we played a final, we didn't win it, but um, we had a, we had a great year together. And I just learned so much from him in, in so many stages of my career. When I was a player, I look up to him as a player when he used to play. And and when I started coaching, I look up to him as, as a coach. So he's a person that I that I still keep in touch with is a guy that it's a it's a mentor yeah. to me. And, and there's someone that I that I care for. And, and I know that he cares for me, too. So it's someone very important. And in my professional career and also now in my personal life too. You mentioned as a kid, obviously moving from Venezuela to the US, what was the biggest culture shock? What was the hardest thing to adapt to there? Um, well, it was a lot. First of all, I, I thought I knew English, but I didn't. Uh, and it was hard. It was hard because I was 15 years old and I was a, you know, I mean, a, a young guy in, in, in Miami in which you, there's still a big Hispanic culture. And and you could still speak Spanish and, and, and get around. Not as much back then as it is now, but um, I could still get around by speaking Spanish, but it was, it was tough. It was tough. Language was, uh, was one of the big, big ones. And, and a young 15-year-old that you have all your friends back home, I had already started the, the youth national team process and, and, and I had to leave the country. It was tough for me. It was tough. And I remember one time getting home, I was so upset, man, so upset that we had left Venezuela and that we were here and I, it was, I was a freshman in high school and I didn't really have a lot of, a lot of friends. And my mom and dad got, they sat me down on the table. My dad said, well, uh, soccer starting in a, in less than a month. So that means a minimum, you're going to have 11 friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> minimum. Yeah, minimum. So he, he was right. He was right. And, and I think all those, um, all those transitions, some um, adaptation periods and, and moments of, um, as you may say, kind of like adversity in a good way. Um, it built, build a, build, build a lot of on, on, on the inside and, and, and build something that, that is also important, uh, for the future. And I think it, it created a lot of, um, a lot of character inside of me that, that has helped me overcome a lot of things that I had to face in my playing career and also my coaching career as well. Oh, that's fantastic. If you guys hear some noise, it's because uh, the, the rest of the PHNX crew is watching the Cardinals and the, oh, I love it, the Coyotes game. So you're going to hear a little bit of noise. But uh, speaking of a little bit of football, Juan, is it true that you were the kicker for your high school team? Absolutely. Yeah? Yes. How was that? How did you, uh, uh, was it an easy transition or did you have any so issues with that? It, I have a funny story. My first <laughs> football game, uh, and you guys are not going to believe this, and we're going through adaptation periods and stuff. <laughs> so I'm on a football game and, and teams, we scored a touchdown. 
dude, as soon as we scored a touchdown, you know, you have people running in and out and you don't understand. And, and I'm just standing in the sideline and like you have this big guys on the coach and mm -hmm. the head coach because they scream a lot, man. And <laughs> go, go. And I'm waiting for the referees to like to put a signal or something like a substitution. Like you come mm -hmm. in and out like as it is in soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in football, you don't do that. So I'm standing on the sideline and I'm like, like, go. Go and I was like, dude, how do I go? I'm like, not permission yet. And like, no, go. And I, that was that was my first football game, and I did it for uh for three years of high school. Freshman year, I didn't do it, but I did it sophomore, junior, then and, and senior year. And I had the opportunity to go to college wow. and uh and, and kick for football. But um, I again, I I love soccer, football way too much, and yeah. and I, I didn't think. I mean, a few seconds on the field. I couldn't sacrifice mm -hmm. 90 plus minutes of, of soccer and I didn't want to do it. I still, I still watch, I still follow it and, mm -hmm. and I enjoy, I still have friends that, you know what I mean? They, they still call me, oh, kicker, kicker, <laughs> you know, I said, no, man, I'm not a kicker yeah, anymore. The Cardinals but, might need you, you know, now that we know. They're, yeah. they're on their third kicker this season so far. <laughs> it's, the, it's the off season right now. Yeah, you've yeah. got time, you've got yeah. time. The season doesn't start up until, yeah. you know, so, a few yeah. months. There you Some go. Of my, my high school friends still call me kicker. And just, <laughs> yeah, just stuck with them. Man, that's awesome. No, of course. I mean, and I was going to say, you touched on a bit, and we definitely want to get into, you know, a little bit more of like your career, your coaching career. You know, I know you've been uh, at Oakland and a couple other stops. I did want to ask, and I know we have a couple of rapid fires later, but I do, I want to jump on this real quick. What is um, any matches that you watched like growing up or anything? We talked a bit about um, like people who made an impression. Any matches you watched that like really stick in um, whether you're from your playing career, growing up, um, managing anything that really just, I don't know, you remember fondly watching TV, anything you were involved in? From when I was a kid? I was I, I, any, any of your choice, either as a kid or growing up in the early parts of your playing career? Yeah. Um, first World Cup I I remembered I enjoyed was uh, was in the U.S. on '94, and uh, that's that's the first World Cup that um that I remember like I mean enjoying and, and seeing my family uh, rooting for Italy and everybody in the house and and there was a uh, this this big thing about Italy because I mean they, they they had great players in that World Cup and and I remember Roberto Baggio and all of this and there's one game that I, I, I don't know I was I was so young but I remember the the penalty shootout yeah. versus Brazil. Mm -hmm. And I, and I remember Baggio missing, missing that penalty after being, I mean, the best player in the world that year at mm -hmm. that time, and then being probably the best player in the world cup and missing that penalty. And that's something that, um, I don't know, it always stuck with me. Yeah. I, I was crying. I remember I was crying <laughs> and then I was just hitting everything. And I, <laughs> I mean, my, my father couldn't really understand why I was so young and I was, I was yet so passionate. When I look back, I now that I have now that I have kids and I see them and I see how passionate they are, I was like I, I was very passionate at a, at a young age. And this is something that I I still carry to till today. Yeah. What about as a player though? What was your favorite game you've ever played in? Um, favorite game. Okay, let's see. Uh, there's a few. I obviously have to say my my debut with uh, with the Venezuelan national mm -hmm. team was it was in Colombia and the stadium was packed and. They have good players like Falcao, James Rodriguez. It was it was a team that that, that was loaded, and um, it was one of those that I mean it, I don't know why I always say like all the debuts are like moments that sometimes you don't expect. Either you don't train during the week, and then the coach grabs you and says, "By the way, this guy got hurt. Go." Yeah. Or I decide you go now. <laughs> and it was very similar because in my position, I always had um, very good players in in the national team. Players that to this day uh, they're still playing. One of them is Tomas Rincon. He's in Serie A in Italy and. 
and most of the team captains went through my position. But it was one of those games in, in Colombia that things were not going our, well, uh, our way. And the team captain just, I don't know, he was feeling sick. And 30-something minutes in, in the game, he says, go, warm up. It's like, what? yeah, go, warm up. And we're losing 1-0. And we ended up tying 1-1. And it was, again, it was one of those that I will never forget also because after that, um, I had to do the, the doping test. Dude, and I just... Guys, <laughs> How does that like, work? Someone just uh, comes and grabs you, gives you yeah, a cup? Yeah, yeah, or? The game is done and you start walking out and they say, by the way, you, you can't go to the locker room. You have to come with us. Hey, you yeah. play too well. <laughs> you know, there's something <laughs> no, that you did. Yeah, it's, 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 um, how do you call that? Uh, random or... The, oh, right, okay, right, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't really... Right. So they random. grab you and they take you and guys, I just... I, I couldn't pee, man. <laughs> I couldn't. I don't know what it was, if I was dehydrated or I ran too much or whatever it was. Yeah. But I really wanted to go to the locker room mm. to celebrate because mm -hmm. we had just tied an away match for a World Cup qualifier that put it's us in a huge. good position. Yeah, huge. It was huge and mm -hmm. it was my debut. Wow. So I really wanted to celebrate with the team. So what happens is I spent so much time at this <laughs> testing thing. The boss leaves to the hotel. They're not waiting on me anymore. They're like, nah, we go. And, <laughs> and I'm telling you, they don't let you leave that room to wow. you be, guys. Yeah, so um, then obviously, yeah, I mean, I finally, I mean, after drinking so many like gators, uh, beard and like water, like so you can pee, you pee, you go to the, to the, to the hotel. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get to the meal room. And everybody's still excited. Mm. And I get to the meal room. Everybody was gone. <laughs> so I couldn't celebrate really with the team. Oh, man. But it was it was one of those games that, um, that I'm never going to forget, man. <laughs> Man, that's such a that's such a crazy story. Man. That's that's insane. Oh man! All right, y'all. Before we continue with the questions, uh, we do want to invite you next week uh, to Four Peaks on the on the in their Eighth Street location. Uh, you know, not only because it's last Wednesday, but also Max is going to buy a round to everybody that that shows shows up over there. So Juan, if you want some beers? You know, you know where you can find us over there with all Four right. Peaks. But uh, yeah, make sure to join us over there. It's going to be last Wednesday, so that's all the PHNX Sports Show. They're going to be doing their shows there. It's going to be a great time. So make sure to join us there. And again, Max has got the first round. Yeah, first round. Uh, uh, disclaimer: three the three dollar kilt lifter and Wow Weed pints that you get at all PHNX events <laughs> when you show up. For our shows, but yes, I got I got first round. Come on, come no on. one's got second. You know, I'm Why am I getting volunteered for these now? Max made the claim You're on the one who was volunteering us for stuff. So <laughs> Ooh, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Does, that is a good point. I'll give you that. Oh my god! But yeah, make sure to join us next week, guys. So, uh, Owen, I think you got some uh, couple questions for for Juan over here. We're, we're getting we've to all, the top we've ones. all got a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's let's move on. <laughs> kick on a little bit to the start of your head coaching career, right? Okay. You have a Relatively successful year here as an assistant coach. Rising do really well in the regular season. Playoffs don't go as hoped, but you end up getting the call to move down to Oakland. How did that move come about? Mm, so I'm not sure if many people know the whole story behind it, but um, Oakland had uh, had called in the in the middle of the year because um, they wanted to. They were they were pursuing to to find a new head coach for for um, 2022. And in the middle of the year, I, I told them that um, I wanted to focus on, on whatever was left of the season with Phoenix and, and we're doing such a good job. And, and then if anything, if they were still looking for, the, for a head coach by the end of the year, then I mean, whenever we were done, we could probably get on the phone and, and, and explore the option. And, um, and, and that's what happened. They, um, I mean, we, we didn't communicate again. And then, like you said, we're having a, a great year. And then sadly on the playoffs versus RGV, um, things didn't go our way and, and our season was done early season was done and it's probably a week and a half or two weeks and, and my phone didn't really ring not 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 from Oakland at least 
And uh, and like two and a half weeks later, probably closer to the 20th of December or mid-December, they call again. They call again and they said, listen, we, I mean, we want to talk to you. And, and, and that's how everything started. Then it was, it was very, very fast. It happened all in five days. And then um, on December 24th on Christmas, I made the decision. I signed my contract. And on December 25th, my kids were finishing on wrapping presents and I was packing my bags and getting on a plane to Oakland at, at 7 p.m. So it was a it was a very very quick turnaround. I'm a bit hectic, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was, it was like when you say Christmas on the 24th and then unwrap oh, on yeah, the 25th. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right. That's yeah. how we do it in Latin America. We celebrate the day yes, before. Yes, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah. We always so yeah. We're always in a rush. <laughs> so with such a like quick you know quick startup, such a, a turnaround experience. What were some of your like most memorable times you know, from your time in Oakland? Um, I think I enjoyed everything, even though it was hectic. Yeah. And it was, um, it was never an easy ride, mm-hmm. if I can describe it that way, but in a good sense. Because yeah. um, like what I just described, right, on, on mid-December or close to mid-December, you receive a phone call, then you're on the phone a lot. Because, I mean, first of all, you have to go through, through the process of making sure that you're the right fit for the job. Mm-hmm. But then... I mean, also they're the right fit for for, for you on, on the personal and, and the professional side. And then when you make the decision to go and they make the decision to bring you in, then you have to build. And, 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 and what you get is a is a blank sheet of paper and, and, and you have to start building and, and, and the, the things that you want because you, you get to build how you want. And we, we had to go all the way from, I mean, from no equipment manager, no, no one in the medical side, no coaching, wow. like not not assistant coaches, no nothing, and only a handful of returning players. And then when you what do you do first? You look at the returning players and you said, okay, how many of these guys that are returning fit the style of play, the game model that you want to implement? Mm-hmm. And then you start checking, checking. Some guys don't fit, or some guys might fit, but you need to make moves in order to move people to bring in guys that probably mm-hmm. fit a bit better. And uh, and it was hectic, man, because I didn't have a lot of time. Yeah, I didn't have a lot of time to put together a coaching staff and. Uh, and a team, and then also on top of that, a game model and a style of play. And um, it was hectic, like I said, but um, but I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it a lot. Then quick, quick turnaround, you know what I mean? Preseason then starts in mid-January. The players are starting to come in. I knew some of them. Some of them I, I didn't really know. And and that's when you, you kick in. And, and I think I just, I mean, I stepped on the pedal, and I didn't look back all the way to, to tonight. And, and, and I haven't been able to stop. And... And I'm not going to be able to stop because yeah. the other night we just finished the season and and on the note that we finished, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, it doesn't allow me the opportunity to yeah. also just say, you know what, ah, let's just go to Cancun and, and take two two yeah. weeks off. I, I can't do that. <laughs> and and I know people might say, oh, no, you you have to. Well, I, I, I know and I'll be sure to know when when is it that I that I can rest. And and it's not now, it's not yet. Sure. So that's, that's, that's kind of like how I see it. But a lot of learning, a lot of learning on... Uh, on this first year because I had the opportunity to build and I'm going to have the opportunity to build twice. Absolutely. And, you know, we spoke about the hectic move up to Oakland. Just how quickly did things come together between, you know, Rick leaving, you coming in here? How quickly was that on your end? When did you first get the phone call? It was a, it was a quick, it was a quick turnaround. It was, um, it was very quick in which, and and I've said this before. Um, I don't think I've said it to you guys. I I said it to a group of um, season ticket holders in a, in an event that we had a month and a half ago. I said I left I left Phoenix always with the intention of coming back. 
Um, I left Phoenix with the intention of of growing, of developing, of getting better, and being able to come back and and give back to Phoenix everything that they've given to me and my family. Um, I also knew when I left, understanding that the moment that I was going to come back, it was going to be a turbulent moment. It was going to be a moment of adversity. Like you, you don't always, or most of the time, at least 95, 90% of the time, arrive to a top team anywhere in the world when they're doing well. That's, that's very hard. You usually arrive to this, to this type of organizations in a, in a moment of adversity, in a moment of turbulence. And, and I also got prepared for that. I, I, when I left, I, I left understanding that when that phone was going to ring, it was, it was not going to be, you know I mean, it was going to be pleasant because it was going to be Phoenix, but I knew there was going to be a lot of adversity and a lot of things that they were going to need fixing. And I also got prepared for that. Um, and, and, and that's, that's how, how it was. It happened, um, very, very quickly in a, in a spell of, of less than a week. And, and the rest is, it's pretty much, I mean, history. I was, I was here and, and we started working right away. Um, yeah, the, you know, that kind of stunned us here as well at PHNX Rising to turn around in that because, you know, obviously you're in Oakland and you, you were building the foundation there and then all of a sudden you're, you're in command of Phoenix Rising, you know, and like you're saying, less than a week. But, you know, th- is that looking back or is there anything that you would do different with how that situation was handled? Are you content with what happened looking back at it? Well, Ramon, I think um, on, on my end, um, I did everything I could to try to make it as professional, as smooth as possible. Mm. And um, on my end, there's there's nothing I could have done differently because I wasn't allowed to. Mm. And um, maybe there's there's other people that can look back and say that they could have been done differently. I'm not saying that the outcome was going to be different. Mm-hmm. The outcome could probably was going to be the same one because since since moment one that my phone rang, I said, Yes, mm-hmm. I'm interested mm-hmm. in exploring this option. Gotcha. Yes, I'm I'm interested in on in, in Phoenix Rising. Then what happened after that? Um, I I didn't handle it. I didn't control the narrative, and um and again it's 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 hard, you know. Mm-hmm. It's 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 hard because it it was out of my hands. So the way I I did it was as as best as I could. Yeah. And uh and I know that time football and soccer are are gonna give everybody the opportunity to to have full transparency when, when the time is right. That's awesome. And uh, you talked about, you know, always wanting to maybe come back to, to Phoenix here. And so what makes the, the rising community so special for you? You know, why, why did you always have that in the back of your mind, wanting to return to Phoenix? I think we, we share so many, um, so many values. Um, Phoenix is, not just Phoenix, it's, it's the fan base. It's mm. uh, the state of Arizona is uh, the city of Phoenix. The, the organization, that, as it is Phoenix Rising, is that we we share values of. Um, I mean, we I believe we're we're obsessed with growth and development. Mm. Is that we we always want to keep growing. We always want to want to make sure that that we get better, and we always trying to find ways to get better. And once you get better, you just don't stop there. You sit and and you relax. It's like okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. What do we got to do now to 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 even improve what we've done before? Also, how how competitive um, we are, right? Is that every year we we're just thinking of okay, we we want to fight at the top. Uh, we want to make sure that we can bring silverware. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that um, that we can win, and that's that's easier said than done. I think winning is is very very difficult in whatever you do in life, in in, in your department, in your profession. What do you guys do? You have thousands of millions of competition, and 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 it's tough. It's tough to be at the top. Mm-hmm. Same as in professional sports. 
for us winning winning is very difficult and and sometimes people forget how how hard it is and to be on a winning team people say oh yeah well you're a phoenix rising and you guys win and it's no 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 it's it's very hard because every week every team i can guarantee you because at the beginning of this year i wasn't here and as soon as the calendar was out i couldn't i could care less at all the other days but i was looking at where's phoenix Boom, here's Phoenix. And I can guarantee you that most of the teams in the league are the same way. Mm. It's like, boom, the calendars are, where's Phoenix? When are we going to go to Phoenix? When are we going to play Phoenix? So every week, Phoenix Rising, ourselves, we're, we're facing teams that are playing at their best. They're at their highest motivational levels. So every week, you're playing a playoff game or every week, you're playing a team that is at their highest of their motivation. So it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, very difficult. And it just doesn't take, it's not just talent that you need in order to get through a season of, of 34 battles like that one yeah. is that you need to make sure that you have good character and people that are um, that are strong here, very very strong over here that that have a huge heart and and that have big big character to to fight through through a whole season of of this because it's demanding. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, if you put that, you have to train at 100 plus mm-hmm. degree weather, and then all of that, and then the pressure and everything is is tough. Our players are are demanded, and this is why. I mean, this is why. Phoenix Rising is, is, is Phoenix Rising. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't think it's, it's for everybody. And to be at the top, again, it's, it's very difficult. It's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we, we love the the love that our chat's showing, right? I see Michael with Los Benditos, always one of us from the minute you got here the first time. Um, I mean, I think this fan support from when you got here, it's been a very interesting position, right? Because you come in in the middle of the season with a club that has very high expectations. And it was, it was a tough go of it from the first half of the season. I'm really curious how you kind of focus your mindset between, Hey, I'm coming in here mid season. We want to push for playoffs. We want to make a run. This season is not lost. We want to do something now, but knowing that what you're trying to build your philosophy that you're looking to grow with your team isn't just going to be made or broken within this first season, that there is a longer term balance. I'm really curious how you kind of, you know, draw that line there. It was hard. It was difficult. And, and to be honest with you, brother, I wish it was mid season because I mean, it was, it was, it was a lot less than that. And, and when the phone rang again and, um, and, and I went right away, boom, boom, I look at the calendar and I, and I was like, only three home games. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is away. And then on top of that, I saw a lot of midweek games. And I said, okay, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be difficult. But again, I go back to what I was telling Owen earlier. Is I knew that if I was going to have to come back, it was going to be in a moment of adversity. It was going to be in a very turbulent moment and a difficult moment. And I knew this this was part of of, uh, of my journey and my process of of coming back to, to Phoenix. And, and on day one, I said, because... To be honest with you, to, I'm still hurt. I'm still bothered about the the way things ended, and mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna blame it on time. Yes, everybody knows, and it's okay. it's very um, there's I I'm I'm very optimistic, but on the same on the same page, I'm, I'm a very realistic person, right? And 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 in order you have to combine both in order to try to get um, in, in life and professional sports best best of the results. And and I was very optimistic. That um, with uh, with the talent and the character and the players and the organization that we were, that with nine games to go we could still turn it around even though it was is going to be very difficult. Uh, so I was very optimistic that way, but I was also very realistic because as a player I sat in those locker rooms when things are not going well, and I sat in that locker room when when there's a coaching change, 
towards the end of the mm-hmm. year. And, 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 and I knew, I knew without really being in there, I knew some of the things, you know I mean, that, um, that, that happens in those moments in this professional locker rooms. And it was going to be a tough one, but we put together um, a plan of action that, uh, that obviously involved one game at a time and, and, and a week by week in which we had to fix some scenarios and work on some things on and off the field, mm-hmm. um, technically, tactically, fitness levels, and also the mentality aspects that mm-hmm. we needed to change. And, um, and again, it took um, a little bit longer than, um, than we would have liked, mm-hmm. but I, I truly believe that, uh, I mean, if we would have, I mean, an extra two or three weeks, yeah. things would have been different, but that's, again, that's, that's not the reality. Sure. The reality is that it was, it was tough, man, and, and, and we felt short. And to this moment, I'm, I'm bothered. I'm bothered and, and I'm hurt, and this is why I told you I, I haven't had time to rest since December 25th. Christmas, come on, <laughs> and um, and you know what I mean, and and I can guarantee everybody that's watching us, the supporters and the players on the organization, that we're not going to rest until we put this organization back where it has to be. Something that the fans often point to when they're trying to sum up where things went wrong this year. How much of an impact do you think Solomon Asante's departure had on the team? Well, it's right away, it's Jimmy, just without putting um the person uh, in the environment, uh, just just putting the name, the name right away. I mean, when, when you mentioned Solo, it's just everything he represents, right? Not just for the organization, but um, for the league, for the for the West of the USL. It's um, Solo obviously was a was a big loss. And, but we also need to understand that, um, I mean, oh, man, I wish our office could <laughs> Some be stuff like going on in the uh, Cardinals <laughs> game yeah, over I'm there. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to send a message to <laughs> yeah, this this is the way to work, but um, but what I was saying about Solo is that um, obviously is it was a it was a big loss. It was a big loss for the West of the USL. It was a big loss for the organization, but it was also um, it was a transition moment. It was a moment of of, of transition that all teams go through, and uh, not just in soccer, but in any sports, in baseball, basketball, football. And there are moments where you have to make decisions that hurt, but also decisions that make sense. Yeah. Understanding. That in that moment and, and in that change, um, it is going to be difficult to navigate it at first until things click and then change. And um, and, and, and that's kind of like what happened. Obviously, um, Solo was missed. I mean, Solo was missed and, and he was a, an important piece of, of the locker room and the culture down and off the field. But the organization needed to to make a decision moving forward. And, and they made a decision believing in what they were deciding. And now it's, it's up to us to make sure that um, we can find the next pieces that uh, that makes sense and that can lead on and off the field just like solo did solo would uh, the way i see it is that when somebody comes to an organization gives so much and it's so successful individually and collectively he sets the bar or he puts a standard now when the players come in into that locker room and they see things it's like okay this is who was here before me that's where i need to go that's that's the north and then solo just you know i mean he left a clear mark and a clear north we just have to make sure that the players that come in follow and they understand that that's where we go. That's awesome. And Juan, thank you again, you know, for, for coming out here to the studios. It's actually, you know, the first time we're actually in this yeah. big studio. So love having you here to, to break this in. And also, I'm, I'm happy to be here back in the studios because I can also grab my, my hands on a couple of OGs <laughs> over here. So if you guys haven't um, already, make sure to check them out online, OGs Brands. Um, dot com and you guys can purchase your very own OGs. You can also follow them on Instagram, OGs Brands, uh, and make sure to check out all their content that they have. 
Uh, I know Max and myself are big fans of it, oh, yeah. so make sure to grab yours as well. And remember, guys, you must be 21 years or older to purchase OG's brands. I, I was going to say, Juan earlier was talking about, you know, like a random drug test and all that stuff. When he was playing, <laughs> if you take some OG's, it's probably going to pop up on there. But we're, we're not in the playing situation. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to lock you down like they do with Juan. No, that's not, that's not what we're about. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> no but yeah Juan lo- love having you here love your answers I, I know the chat's liking them they they have uh, uh, some comments there that uh, they, they want to take the league by storm says Thomas next year that's what they're looking for they want you to re-sign to Gavi that's one of the big big uh, comments that we have here as well but um, yeah yeah it was you know looking back at the season it was a very tough one you know and, and us covering it you know we felt the pain from the fans you know and, and watching the defeats because you know Owen's been here for years he's seen the team at, uh, you know, reached the pinnacle and, and it was tough, you know, because watching these losses pile up and, and this is not something that the rising culture is about, you know, it's about winning and, and having that winning mentality, but it's, you know, how, how do you, you know, weekend or week out, you know, talk to the guys saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to improve. This is what we're doing week in and week out. And, and how did you change that mentality? What was your message to the guys once you came in? I'm not going to lie. Since I left, I, I followed you guys. I was, um, can remember we were coming back. I was with Oakland and Ventura. We're doing preseason. And on the way back on on my phone, I don't know how, I was able to watch uh, the game versus Sporting KZ, mm. which they said it was not going to be. I mean, it was not going to, they were not going to have a link I or something. I think Owen put it on stream. I, think I don't know how. Oh, no, no. There was one. I think SKC put their own stream. That's so, it. Okay. okay. Like that. Correct, yeah. They didn't know any of the names. They were just making names <laughs> up as they went along. Yeah, I was like, oh, because I was upset. I was not going to be able to watch it. But somehow I found a link and I clicked and I was like, oh, okay. So I was on, I was on the bus on the way back from Ventura watching the game. And, um, what I'm trying to say is that I, since I left, I, I follow the team. I always follow, and and I was very happy when 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 the first, I mean, the first result went went your way, and I, I just said to myself, I said, okay, here we go again. <laughs> if it's just gonna kill everybody, you know, because it was a, it was a good result, and uh, and then I kept following the team, and and just like how you struggled, just like how you suffered, and and you were bothered, even though I wasn't here, I I was as well. Mm. I was as well because I care for the for the organization. I care for the players that were here and also the staff. So so I was also bothered and and I know exactly how you felt because when I was watching it from the outside, I I felt the same way. So when I came in here, it was it was the same thing for the fan base, right? So the same things I was feeling as I was watching, it's exactly how they feel. Mm-hmm. It's exactly how they feel, and and these are, I mean. They, they, these are people that we must respect. These are people that that support us through ups and downs. These are people that spend their money to to come watch us play and invest and and, and help in the investment of, of the organization. And these are an important piece, an important piece of the organization. I've said this uh, a thousand times, and I'll say it a million times more. So listen, players come and go, coaches come and go as well, ownership groups, GMs, front office. That changes all the time. Mm-hmm. The fan base, the supporters will not go. This, this is their club. This is their club, and, and we must protect it as much as we can while we're here. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the way it is. And, and sometimes, I mean, supporters um, have the right to, to be upset when, when they see that the product on the field and, or, on, or off the field is, is not something that, um, that they like or, or want. On, on, on that same note, there's, there's two, 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 two sides to what supporters can do, and, I, and I've always said this, and... And thankfully in Phoenix, it's like you can have the support from a fan base that um 
that is pushing so much and and going after everything the organization and the players that they put pressure and then they start pushing you pushing you down because of the, the way that they're doing things mm-hmm. and that to me is incorrect now our fan base our supporters and and the people that love this organization and they're they're supporters so they push you and they push you from here up mm. so they lift you up yeah. and there's a big difference uh, among both of them and and sometimes when you see them they might look similar but they're not mm. and there's a big difference with with both and this is when you ask me about what did i tell the players or what was my message to the players uh, the first home game we had and and this is something that maybe you you guys don't know and i don't know if it, if it got outside of the locker room um, we created a video. We created a video with um, with young guys from the academy, with part of the supporter group um, groups and, and and people from from the stands that, that come watch us play, from players that have played in the past, John Bacero, um, Rufa, Dadashov, uh, Peter Ramage, one of the the assistant wow. coaches in the past, and and the video was talking and explaining what what Phoenix Rising represents to them. And, and who Phoenix Rising is. Mm-hmm. Because that was one of the most important things as, as soon as I walk in the locker room is for the new players and, and the players that were here that had forgotten what it felt and who we were, is to remember who we are. And, and, and that was important. And also the fans that were in the video, the way they were talking, they were doing exactly what I told you, is that they were supporting. And, and, and through a whole year of adversity, when, when you have, I mean, the three home games that we had, it was almost a full house. And if it would have been for the rain the past game, it was going to be pretty much sold out. So this is a clear message to the players, to the owners, to the to the staff, organization, everybody, that the supporters are here. And the supporters are here to support. And if they supported you through a moment of adversity, they will support you when things are going well too. And and this is what um what good um I mean good commitment, love, sense of belonging from the supporters. Um, I mean the, the way they give. And and that's what we have. That's what we have, Ramon. And and it's unbelievable. And and I go back to the question you asked me. It's like this was also one of the reasons why why I wanted to come back. Yeah. I mean, most most teams, when things are not going well, you go and it's an empty stadium. Or do you mean or it's it's impossible to no, no, I think we I mean the fan base always stayed close. They were bothered, but they were close. And that's important. Because that's one positive to take away from the end of the season, but on the field with the the results didn't go quite the way you wanted, but are there any other positives you could take out of those last couple of months? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, the insertion of the game model, insertion of the style of play. I truly think that um, every game that that passed, uh, the players kept improving in in different areas and aspects, but um, it was something that it was very noticeable, not just um, by what your eyes can see, but also by the numbers and the data. And and that was that was important. And not just in games that didn't mean anything. If we listen, I, 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 my respect to the guys because when I came in, I, I didn't put it easy on them to change uh, a style of play because the style of play changed drastically. The identity on the field changed drastically, and also we changed the game model because we changed the system, and uh, and and it was a lot for them to take on, right? Mm-hmm. And they absorbed it as much as they could, and they kept fighting. And then on top of that. We couldn't miss because we had to be perfect all the way to, towards RGV, and it was a tough schedule. It was a very, very tough schedule, and and it's doing that and it's absorbing all those changes in a moment where you can miss and you and you have to be perfect. I remember you asking me, um, I think it was a Sacramento game, where you asked me, so we might see a change of the system or we might see some some change. I said, oh, and 
if there's a game that we're not going to do changes, you know what I mean, we're not going to invent too much, is this one. We, we're going to stick with what we have and we're going to keep believing in what, in what we're doing. I think we were good in San Diego. First half was a very good first half. Um, it was cleared, but then obviously things happened in the second half that we could have avoided. And versus Monterey, we could have been better, but I saw improvement already. And it was, a, I mean, I told you this after the game, you should never go on the road and have to score more than three goals to win, ever, mm -hmm. ever. Three goals on the road should be enough to win a game. And then after that, it was a, a cleared, good performance in Sacramento that, you know what I mean, that led to a good result. And again, the, the line, the curve was, it was a cleared ascending curve. It was a cleared ascending curve in where a lot of things were done properly. There's always room for improvement, man. There's always room for improvement. But we understood also that we couldn't fix anything in, with the amount of time that we had. So we have to pick and choose. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that speaks to what you said earlier, right? Where it is focusing in some ways on the now, but it's also you're building towards something larger. And, you know, you talked a bit, talked a bit about formations and a bit about how your system is and how it's working towards something bigger. I'm really curious how the, how your relationships boil down when you're talking about man management, where you're talking about not just who's going to be in the squad, who's going to be in the starting 11, um, but really how you are building those relationships with players throughout the entire season. I mean, I think you're to your point talking about the fans, they, you know, we, we can only see as much as what goes on the field or what's on social, but there's a lot that we don't see. And there's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes. Can you speak to that and just what that means to you, how you enjoy that about coaching? I love it. I think um, coaching is about relationships and, and especially nowadays and, and for head coaches, even though this has been my, my first year and, I've always liked since even my last three or four years as a player, I kind of stopped following teams and I started following coaches. Um, it was it was one of those. Obviously, I have a team that I liked and, and I always had my team that I follow. But towards my last few years, I started following coaches. And the more you read, the more you see, especially nowadays when when you see the, the roster and you see the number of players, but then also you see the number of staff members that, that it has. It's like because um, it becomes very... You have, a, you have coaches that specialize on so many things. Mm -hmm. And the higher the level is, the more coaches you have mm -hmm. and the more coaches that specialize on different things. So what does that give you? Obviously, as a head coach, you, you're going to have to make decisions, which is the hardest thing about the job, hard decisions. And also then you, you, you make the, I mean, the, 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 you decide on, on, on how you want to do things. Mm -hmm. But then on, on top of that, you, you're left with a lot of men management. And management, not just so much for players, but also for staff, mm -hmm. because they're they're part of the they're part of the team too and the club, and they're they're a crucial part and a, and a key piece of um of the success of the of the organization. So you have to do a lot of men management, and this is something that I that I love as well. I love because um I've I've learned um when I was a player sometimes I'll be so upset when when things that will happen with coaches, you know what I mean, assistant coaches or head coaches, and I always remember. Sometimes going home and my wife, I don't know if she's watching because she has the three kids at home right now and stuff, but may maybe she is. And and I would I would be upset, right? When when I would, when I would get home because of X thing happened. And she would always say to me, it was like, Well, you're learning even from this. Mm -hmm. Like you're learning from from things that, that are negative because you're learning of don't don't forget about it, how mm -hmm. you feel, because so that way you don't you don't do it once you're on that side, if this is something that you want to do. And that's kind of like something that stuck with me, but at the time, like, 
I don't want to hear this. You know? Right. No, I want you to be with me. Be upset with me. You know? And she's like, no, no, don't be upset. Like, learn from this because so that you don't repeat it. And and I'm someone that reflects a lot. I'm someone that um that I take very personal decisions I make. And sometimes after games, I struggle and I have mind battles with myself at times at the hotel or, or before going to sleep, if I sleep at all, because of because of that, because of um the decisions that I have to make, the men management things that 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 go on and 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 I love it. I love it. What I've learned the most is that professional players and professional athletes, they need honesty. And um and they're not gonna like it a lot of times when you tell them and they're gonna be upset and probably they're 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 gonna be bothered. But once they go home and everything settles and then the next day shows up, at least they're gonna respect you mm-hmm. for what you said and being honest and being transparent to them. So that's one of and again that's easier said than done. Because you have 24 guys that you're pushing, that you're telling. And at the end of the day, sometimes, and I said this um, also in, a, in another um, um, interview that I had, is like being fair as a head coach, it's borderline impossible. Being fair as a head coach is borderline impossible in any sports. If we think about this, and I'm going to use a, an example, uh, Joy Calistri. Joy Calistri shows up to mm. train every single day and gives you 100%. Technically, he's clean. Tactically, he's one of the smartest guys we have in the locker room and he absorbs absolutely all the information. And he would, if you say jump, he would jump. And and then you have to make decisions towards the end of the week and you have a guy that has given you absolutely everything mm-hmm. and sometimes yet that guy is not on the starting team. Sometimes the guy is not going to play. And one time last year as an assistant coach, I had to tell him that he was not going to be in the A-team. So how was I fair? How was I fair to someone that had given me absolutely everything I asked for? So as a head coach, being fair is impossible. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible for everybody to be happy with you as well. But if you're transparent and if you're honest, uh, the player will will be bothered, but he will respect you for it. And that's one of the about men management and, and professional sports is about that. It's about transparency, honestly. And even though they're not going to like what they're going to hear, you got to say it. No, thank you for that one. That's a, that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, we do have a few more questions for you, Juan. Uh, we will take a quick break and just talk about our friends at DraftKings. Uh, if you guys da- haven't downloaded the app, make sure to do so. And when you do so, make sure to use the promo code PHNX if you're a new customer. And the reason is, is if you bet $5 on any NBA team and their money line, you can get up to $200 if, you're, uh, if your team wins. So it's an amazing promotion from DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can also boost your winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlay so an amazing promotion from our friends at DraftKings sportsbook and again you guys uh can download it on your phone and remember minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply make sure to check out our show notes for details do you have a favorite nba team yes man who are they where, where did I say to you that I came to the U.S. when I was 15? Oh, no, he's a oh, Heat fan. No. There he oh, no. <laughs> no, no. What? Right, can the interview show at this point? Yeah. No, I, Jacob, yeah. let's call it now, man. Guys, I, I need some vitamin water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, the Suns won last night. It was a, it was a great game. So, yeah, shout out, yeah. shout out to them. So, just a little, little heads up one if you want some uh, Suns. Uh, Sure. Some stuff over here, we can hook you up. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Juan, we got a few more questions for you. Uh, it's it's again. Thank you again for for coming over to the show and answering. I know everybody that's watching at home or uh, wherever they're at, they're having a great time with your answers here. Um, so right now, you know, one of the things that we kind of discuss here at PHNX Rising 
is is the fact that we have academies and and especially one of them that the more specifically the one in in Casa Grande, the Barça Academy over there. But we often see the talent from that academy get poached by different USL teams, you know, Orange County, you know, El Paso, stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of the, the fans and us here at PHNX Rising, we, we kind of question what's what's the youth movement like with Phoenix Rising? Is there a plan for that or is there, a, you know, is that something that's discussed, you know, uh, between you and, and the rest of the, the organization about bringing young guys up? I know we have Niall Dunn and Channing Chaston and stuff like that, but is there any thought about bringing kids from the academy and, put, and bringing them up? Absolutely. And um, it's part of um, the growth, the, deve the development that we want to establish and, and keep having as an organization, right? It's, um, it's inserting and planting that, that seed of sense of belonging on the, on the youth. And, and I lived it and I know this is how it is. It's starting now to grow more in the U.S. with, uh, with the academies and the MLS next mm -hmm. and all of this and, and the cities and the big MLS teams where you have I mean, the, the, the U-12s, the U-11s, 10s, whatever it is, 15s, uh, wearing the, the jerseys of the, of the home team. And, and it's important. It's important for us. I know that, um, that you guys probably are bothered when you see a, a Barca Academy player going somewhere else, like you said. And I can guarantee you that I'm as bothered as you guys are when, you, when I read those news. Mm -hmm. But um, we are we're starting to, to making sure that we create, um, I mean, good relationships which is important, making sure that, that we create bridges, bridges among, um, I mean, organizations and clubs, and, and, and we don't create walls, mm -hmm. which is, a, is the most important thing for, for us right now, is that, that we, I mean, that, that we work together, understanding that we have an academy, we will have an academy where we're growing, where we're developing talent, but without really forgetting about academies that are close by, that can, um, you know I mean, that, that we can offer the same growth and development I mean, on, 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 on any given, I mean, year mm. to, to those players. Obviously, we our main focus is ours, and it's, it's the Academy of Phoenix Rising that they're doing uh, unbelievable things. And I can guarantee you that for next year, we're going we're gonna to keep seeing more. Even though when I was in here, you guys had the opportunity to see a lot of um, Academy players playing. I mean, they, they play this year and preseason. There was a lot of them getting involved. Even last year when I was here, we had five of them getting involved. And this year, again... And they had the opportunity to go to New Mexico. And mm -hmm. and to be honest with you, I mean, I was, even though given the result, I was proud of the kids, man. The kid, um, the yeah. kids showed up, they, they didn't back down and, and they pushed forward for 90 plus minutes. Now we just have to make sure that moving forward, uh, the decisions that we make mm -hmm. are decisions that make sense. Uh, the decisions that we make are decisions that, uh, that push that, uh, that young talent in the right direction in which, um, hopefully, they can end up, I mean, in the first team or they can go somewhere else mm -hmm. where they can keep developing and, and keep growing. But I, but I truly think that, and, and, and my dream as a, as a head coach for Phoenix Rising and hopefully the organization is for every kid that is in the academy, in the club, on the rec side, that is that they dream and they go to sleep thinking that they're going to play one day for Phoenix Rising. That's, that has to be our goal. That, mm -hmm. that has to be what we want to create because that's a sense of belonging that, I mean, that we want to insert. Mm -hmm. We want to, I mean, when... When I walk uh, on, on Sundays, on, on the day off, I walk around with the family and I go to restaurants, I want to see kids wearing more, more Phoenix Rising jerseys mm -hmm. and, and all of that, and especially in the, in the city of Phoenix. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of like where we, have to, where we have to get. And we can get there. I have absolutely no doubt that we will. And looking more at the, the here and now, though, you've got a busy off-season coming up. Is there any particular part of the field that you think you have to focus on? 
Yes, there's a, there's a lot of work that we need to do. Yeah, there's there's a lot of work that we need to do, and and we need to focus on everything. We need to focus on absolutely everything on and off the field, and every detail is going to be important for next year. And again, I can guarantee you that every detail is being covered, is being re reflected on, is being evaluated and, and assessed. And we're not going to make decisions in a rush because I can. I finally have time now. I have time to sit, to relax, to reflect and, and make decisions that make sense and not decisions in a rush. And uh, and hopefully, you know what I mean, this this allows us the opportunity to make decisions that um that guide us to success for, like I said to you, not just next year, but many years to come. And what are the kind of attributes that you're looking for in players? Well, number one is number one is character. Character cannot be negotiable and, and I'm not gonna negotiate character. You have to bring in people that um that has a character to fight, that has a character to to understand that I explained it earlier. If it's more games, less games, thirty plus whatever games next year, they're gonna have to be ready to fight for thirty four plus games. They're gonna have to play thirty four plus finals. And then they're also gonna have to not just compete versus the teams that we're playing against. During the week, they're gonna have to compete versus their teammates. We're gonna create competition, internal competition, with a very thin line of respect in which they have to support each other on the weekends as well. And that's and that's very hard to that's very hard to have. But once you have that, it's golden. Once you have that in a team where there's internal competition, yet at the same time they're supporting each other and they're understanding their roles, that's golden. So character is number one. And number two, obviously, you know what I mean? We want to bring technical players that fit the the style of play that we want to implement and the way that we want to play. Which is, uh, I mean, we want to have the ball. We want to be possession oriented, but we want to have possession with a purpose. I just don't want to keep the ball to see the stats and say it. No, no one's going to win a game for a possession percentage. That's that's not that's not what it is. It's about having the ball to create spaces that we can then exploit and and create chances going to go. And for that that type of style of play, you need a a certain uh, technical ability, and we need to identify that, target that, and make sure that we can bring in that as well. And then obviously, I mean, from the tactical side, is players that are um, smart enough to understand flexibility, to understand transformation without losing identity. And, 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 and I, that's hard at times because sometimes people think, oh, well, you're playing a 4-2-3-1. I mean, you said you're going to play a back five. Well, guess what? I'm playing a 4-2-3-1. But when we build out, we open the center backs and we drop the midfielder and we build out with a back three. But then you have two wing backs at the end of the day, it's still a back five, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's about being able to transform without losing the identity of how you want to play. And not many players can do those things. And it's also identifying, targeting, and making sure that we bring players that can have that flexibility. Because in the USL, as you guys know very well, it's a very tough league. And it's a league that sometimes, I mean, you, you have to go to New Mexico and play in New Mexico where, I mean, half of the field is a baseball field and it has two, t two different types of grass and it's altitude. And then next week you might, I don't know, you might go to the East and you have to play in Tampa or you have to go to Miami or you have to play at sea level. And then the next week you might go to Colorado and then it's turf and then it's altitude again. So it's a very tough league and, uh, and you cannot play the same way over and over and over. At times you're going to have to be transformational. And at times you're going to have to adapt without losing who you are. And lastly, um, the fitness side, the fitness side, the athleticism, the, the speed, 
we want to bring in guys that um that are athletic that are fit that can go for 90 plus and uh that can adapt to different environments as well and also that you know I mean that that fit the game model awesome appreciate that all right well i i know we want to get into rapid fire here i do have one last question for you i know owen asked you a bit earlier like what successes you could t- you took from this past season looking ahead with a full off season ahead for 2023 how do you define success for next season that's a hard that's the hardest question you guys asked today <laughs> <laughs> it was from me and not oh, oh okay yeah, it's no, hard no, because no, we're going to take this clip and play it back yeah. out for the next year yeah yeah <laughs> kind of you're, you're right but well because it's right if 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 we look on the dictionary or if we look at, at the definition of success it's like i mean first of all it's you have to set a a goal right or an objective and if that goal or objective is not met then that means you are not successful right and um i believe in process right and and I believe of, of of way of doing things. Um, um, I understand that. I mean, my head and my job depend on results, and 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 that's fine. And I and I get to live with that every day. Um, another story for you guys. I and I'll, I'll finish with your finish answering your question. Is that since ever since I was little, I had a coach, and then he ended up being the national team coach, and he's the guy that also I play my pro my first pro game with. His name is Manuel Plasencia. And he always used to say to us, and I was young back then, and you'd never think of this. He's like, I always have a, a bag, uh, like a like a carry on or something, mm-hmm. behind the door of of, of the locker room. It's like, saying because it makes me understand that I'm not gonna be here forever, and at any moment I can be gone. And guess what I have in the locker room? When yeah. I come in, I have a carry on bag in there, because every time when I come in in the morning, I don't take for granted what I have. Every time when I come in in the morning, I understand that that I can be gone. So every time I come in in the morning, I I don't want to pack that bag. I don't. So it 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 makes me give my best every single day. And this is something that he he used to say to us all the time when I was a player. And back then, I it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't very impactful to me. But now I I look back and I'm like, wow, man, this guy was. I mean, wow. that that the he has, was unbelievable. So back to your question about being successful, man, and. We, we have to be very honest. Um, Phoenix Rising is an organization that wants trophies. Phoenix Rising is an organization that deserves to fight at the top um, every year. Now, we're going to go into it. I don't want to call it, and I also said this to you the, the first time we talked, I don't want to call this a change. I want to call this a transition. Um, it, we're going to go into a transition um, process. And, and processes take a bit of time until things click. Obviously, our objectives are very clear. Our objectives are to fight at the top, and our objectives are to win as many trophies as we can. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's very clear. Now, when the year's done next year, then, and hopefully we can sit down again, and you guys bring me in and offer me some Gatorade and... <laughs> and and, and we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, you like what you're drinking now. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if, if the process and, and, and everything we did um, was successful or not. I mean, if at the end of the day, only, only one team in the USL Championship is going to be able to lift a trophy. And only one team in the USL Championship is going to be able to put a trophy in the cabinet. If we say that the other, all the other teams in the USL failed because that trophy is not on the cabinet, it might be a bit harsh. 
It's also true. And it's a reality, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on what, what is it that you want to do. But, um, but it's a bit harsh. Next year, I can guarantee you, and I'm thinking about it today, we want to go for everything. We want to go for everything and, and we want to create a very ambitious process, a, a very ambitious project. Um, it's a process. It's a transition year and we're going to have to be patient, but that doesn't mean we're not going to be um, ambitious. We're not going to be hungry and we're not going to be shooting for everything. So I hope that that answers your question. It does. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank you, Juan, so much for that. We do have a couple of quick fire questions for you. You know, just let, let us know what's the first thing that comes to your mind. Nothing crazy, you know, I mean, at least on my end, I don't know about Owen has. Uh, but start off easy. What, what are some uh, some of your favorite spots in Phoenix? Could be something like hiking or restaurants, anything like that that you enjoy uh, visiting. Can I say the name of the restaurant? If you want, yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a nice restaurant in uh, downtown Chandler called Distillery. They have country music, dude. Ooh. I won't, I'm, I'm the pink elephant in the room, but I love it. <laughs> I walk in, it's it's nice, man. Good Do music. Do two step. <laughs> yeah, it's good music. People <laughs> dancing. They have a nice turf area where my kids are running around. And now they, I mean, I we made the mistake probably of taking a soccer ball. Oh wow! And dude, they're just <laughs> shooting everywhere. And one day something they're gonna hit somebody. <laughs> but uh, but it's a good spot, man. Awesome, great. Now I have to check it out for sure. Sounds yeah, great. I, was saying, I frequent D DTC downtown channel. I, I love, yeah, good spot. It's very, a good spot. Good I know producer Jacob. He, he frequents downtown channel more. He knows all. He knows all about uh, it. Jacob yeah, yeah, over here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, I know you mentioned earlier that you maybe don't follow necessarily clubs, but you do follow managers. Some managers in today's game. I know you mentioned in Portland. Any others? Is it EPL, La Liga? Anyone who you gravitate towards? It's always kind of like, I mean, changing and transforming. Um, I love Guardiola. I love Julian Nagelsmann. Simeone is at the top of the list. I love what uh, Tuchel was doing with Chelsea when, when they won the Champions League because it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a very similar style of play and game model that we have. Um, I love what Conte is doing right now too. Again, very similar to, to the things we want to do. And again, I... I mean, I start seeing things and I see things that I like and and sometimes things that can transform and translate to to the things that we want to do. And I'm always open to to learning, to absorbing. And and, and the more I see, um, even though I don't have enough hours in, in the yeah. day, you know what I mean, to, to do stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, but when I have time, thankfully, my kids love soccer. My wife loves soccer as mm -hmm. well. So if we're in, in the house and we turn on TV, we're most likely watching soccer. Love it. Favorite sports team other than Rising here in the Valley to go on a night out to watch? Oof. Ah, you put him in a spot, man, because I haven't been to <laughs> any, any other. Ooh. I'll say, yeah, the Suns, right? Yeah, it's basketball. There you for go. sure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Down the street, yeah. yeah. You guys yeah. have to invite me now. Yeah, definitely. You got to use the game time app. There, yeah. Man. There you go. Get some get some good tickets there. Uh, so Juan, you mentioned you like the country music. Any favorite band that you have from country or any other genre that you like to listen to? I don't know. No, any, man. I, no? I, I'm starting now. Mm -hmm. I've, I've gone there a lot of times and I, I, I started to know the songs. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not really. Any, any reggaeton? Any, anything like that that you, you're into? <laughs> Doesn't have to be that specific, but yeah, you know, anything I, that you're I, into. Uh, music? I, I like everything, man. Mm -hmm. I like, yeah. Spotify and boom, whatever it's called. Let him do his thing. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. You are uh, you a gamer? You play FIFA at all? And I'm very weird, man. I didn't play FIFA yeah. at all. My <laughs> brother, my brother did, man. 
at all. I um I I was not a big um gamer of video games. I played it, but again, I was very bad at it. And um I'm so competitive that when I'm not good at something, <laughs> I get very upset <laughs> and I don't enjoy it. And yeah, I just I couldn't. So I I'm not a big FIFA my my five year old, my six year old is it's a big fan of FIFA. Ooh. Like oh. big, big fan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there they we got some. We got some gamers. No, in the he goes. He goes. I, I want Harry Kane's jerseys. Dude, what? We, we got oh that. My God. We got that on. No, we got that, that on record. Out. We don't need that. We got that on record right here. on camera. But, but this is the thing, though. I was like, <laughs> what? And then I asked, why? He's like, oh, because he's a monster in FIFA. Yeah, and penalties. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay, but listen, he, yeah, you know I mean, you gotta steer him to the good club, Manchester it's, United, you know, we're not talking about Real yesterday. Madrid, you know, sneak him in there, you know. So, I told him, I said, no, Haaland is a monster. Oh my like, god, what are you doing to me, Juan? But here we go, wait, oh, but here we go. Then he said, he said, no, dad, you gotta buy now FIFA 23 because Haaland is a dormant and I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> He's six, dude. Oh my that's god! Yes. Yeah, wild. Yes, you still have time to change them. That's that's the I, thing, you know. Yeah. This is the other team United. That's what we can do. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> one uh, obviously there's a big tournament coming up. Uh, you know, at the in 30 days, the World Cup. Uh, and any you know teams that you know are, you think are going to take it all this year? I hear there's a country that starts with a W that are uh, going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm nice, but I got to be honest, too. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, uh -oh. Wakanda is not uh -oh. in. Oh, not in uh, I don't know, man. There's, there's, there's many teams. You'll see uh, Argentina is doing a great job. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing Argentina. Also, uh -huh. listen, if, if you love football, you love soccer, you love the game, I think people are going to be, when Messi's on the field, it's it's one of those that, you know what I mean, you, you want to see him, you know what I mean, do well, mm -hmm. especially because, you know, it's his last World Cup. Um, Argentina is doing well. Netherlands is... I think it's one of those kind of like dark horses mm. that I I think you know what I mean that they're doing a they're doing good things with young players that are that are hungry and um again Luis Van Gaal is a guy that I mean every time he's with the national team he he gets them going um Spain is is always a a, a candidate and it's um it's going to be a good World Cup I I was talking about um I was having um lunch with uh with ownership the other day and 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 and, and RGM and and an agent and we we're talking about this is, is going to be an interesting world cup right because of the month that is going to be played and everybody was having different opinions and i i personally think that this could be one of the best world cups we've seen from the plane mm -hmm. kind of like perspective why mm -hmm. do i say this is because we're not going to get the players so beat up after a whole year of traveling plane and all of that because that's usually what happens right yeah. yes it's true that after the year's done they get like 20 days where they get together mm -hmm. and you know, I mean the teams, the national teams have more time to work to prepare for the World Cup. This year they're gonna get probably two weeks or sixteen days. Yeah. But the players are less tired. Uh you know what I mean they, they they are gonna be with less load of, of of games in their legs. And I think it's gonna give them the ability to to see a more dynamic mm -hmm. uh, uh World Cup. That's that's at least what I think. So we'll, we'll see. But Wales are gonna finish above the uh the line and get Dude, through I, into I, the knockout stages, surely. I Come hope on. so, man. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had me with you had me with the hurricane praise. Yeah. Well, uh, wait, uh, hang on a minute. He didn't say who was getting knocked out. Maybe England uh, will get knocked out. I mean, it's England at a World Cup. You never know. It's, it's, 
This is true. Yeah. This is true. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I like we'll that. see. We'll see. Again, 30 days. It's going to happen. You're going to blink and it's going to start. So yeah. for sure. Uh, any other questions, guys? You guys got for fun. But got a quick quick one. Score a goal. What's your celebration? Man, I didn't score a lot of goals, man. I scored a few, huh? Yeah. I scored a few. I didn't score a lot. So I, so I, 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 I don't know. I didn't have a, a, a celebration yeah. when I scored. Um, I'm yeah, you just, well, after getting married, I was just kissing the ring. The ring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like, I like that. that. I, yeah. I used to do that, and that was it. Not not much of a. That's yeah. cool. Keep it classy. I <laughs> like it. This is a defensive midfielder. That's yeah. a, I, I, I think defensive I, midfielders yeah. don't really have celebrations. That's fair. That's and, fair. and if you do, mm-hmm. it looks bad. That's yeah. fair. I, I respect, I respect. What about Kev Lambert? <laughs> well, he's got his little flip. He does a whole flip. Yeah, he's ready. Either you do a flip that is unbelievable, and everybody's like, whoa. If you don't do a flip on your defensive midfielder, you don't celebrate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And then uh, last one here. This is Max's question, by the way, uh, and myself. I'm, I'm not going to lie. But when is the media versus rising front office staff game going to take place? Because Max is getting ready yeah. just off of surgery. He's training. Should, he's, should, he's, should I answer that question? He's on Rocky He's on Rocky Four. So uh, I, as soon as I came in, I asked, <laughs> when are we going to have a – front office staff game mm-hmm. and everybody just looked at me kind of like don't mention that i said like, what, what happened it seems that last time we had a game with the front office mm-hmm. office and the staff is somebody did it acl oh and God. a staff member did his achilles oh. <laughs> this is something that was is playing because yeah, i've heard, I've heard he knocks out a so few in people one game, in one game those two injuries oh yeah. my goodness so this is something that i think um is gonna take some time uh, some, some convincing <laughs> some convincing but um that, we'll see dude I, i'll try it you know uh, i appreciate and worst case better safe than sorry because owen here clattered into emma the other day and you know, poor 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 emma you know we can't, we can't she's trust limping this guy oh, yeah. she's out three to four months we, we, if we do any game we'll just make sure that he's you know he's, he's a he's, clean he's, challenge no, we'll have him we'll have him we'll have him i don't want him no, on the field like that no 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 <laughs> this is exactly what we can do Send some waivers. We'll, we'll see. We'll work it out. We'll let y'all know. Hopefully we can stream it or something. That'd be it'd be fun. All right, Juan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Amazing answers. I'm sure everybody in the chat and the fans that are gonna watch this after are gonna love your your responses. And again, thank you for for coming here to the studios. Uh, guys, amazing questions. Thank you so much. And uh, everybody that watched this live and that's going to listen to us later on, thank you so much. Always appreciate your support. And uh, you're the reason why we have interviews like this and why uh, we have someone like Juan show up and, and answer all your questions because of you guys. So love the support. Thank you so much. We will be back next week on Tuesday with some more content for you guys. Until then, take care and have a wonderful rest of your night. Take care.